Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I want you to stand to your feet. You're the most awesome people in all of Austin. You chose to come to CLC today. Thank you for being here. And we are we're excited today beyond measure because today is Baptism Sunday. We're going we're gonna to see some people take the plunge. They got t-shirts that said, I took the plunge. And we're going to have some people do that here today. And before I get started, because I've got to preach real fast, hopefully halfway decent. But before I get started today... We want to give a hand clap of appreciation to everybody who has decided to make the decision to be buried with Christ in baptism today. Come on down right now. Go in this door. Go in this door. Come on. Come on. Come on out of your seats. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right here. Right here. Come on. Here they come. All over the house. Come on. Let's get this clap for them. Come on. Let's clap for them. Here they come. Here they come. Oh, glory. Here they come. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Go right over here, hon. Right over here. It's fine. Come on. Both doors. Both doors. Either door. Come on. Clap for them big time. Yes, 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 yes. Here they come. Here they come. I could run through a troop right now. Come on. Clap for them. Amen. 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 There's a little fella right there. I was baptized when I was seven. It stuck. It stuck. I'm still here today. It stuck. Anybody else going to go get baptized? Anybody else? Anybody else leaning? Anybody else leaning? You kind of leaning? Here's some more coming down the stairs. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Go tell those people out there waiting on a seat. We got seats now. We got seats available. The church I dream in my mind has no balcony in it. It will have stadium seating. So you can set up high and still be lifted up. But no balcony because I, like, I don't like the separation that I, I feel in my heart between you, me and you precious people up there. But one day when we build that new auditorium, I'll be able to walk up those stairs and shake your hand. I can't get up these because Lord God is too big. It's too much. But I love all you guys up there. You know that, don't you? I love you. Thanks for being here today. And all you precious people down here, thank you. Thank you for being here. I want to I speak today very quickly, and I mean that very quickly, so I won't be, I won't be stopping a whole lot to ad-lib some things. I'm going to be probably manuscript-bound today as much as ever because I know we have a time frame and a time reference, and sometimes I hate that time reference and that time restraint. But today is going to be a blessed day. It's going to be an awesome day. I want to speak to you today on this subject. Can you shout on a foundation? Can you shout on a foundation? And I'm going to read from the book of Ezra, chapter number 3. I'm going Old Testament on you today. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priesthood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites and sons of Asaph with cymbals and 
praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Verse 11, and they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, <clears throat> wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. When Israel got revved up, and when they really opened their mouth and began to shout unto the Lord, when they got revved up, their enemies trembled. When they had the Ark of the Covenant in their midst and they shouted like that, the enemies really trembled. Because there's something about praise unto God that nothing else can fulfill in our life and can fulfill His heart. Amen. 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 I want you to say, Pastor, preach the word to me today. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, preach the word today. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Pastor, preach the word to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Now clap as you're sitting down, and God bless you. You're a great people. Thank you, brother. As it was in Ezra's day, so it is in our day, that in every congregation there is old and there is young. There were some elders in Ezra's congregation that were old enough to remember the splendor of Solomon's temple. They remembered how big it was, how ornate and beautiful it was. They remembered its glory and its grandeur. They recall that the day it was dedicated to the Lord that at two separate moments, once after the worship and once after the message, the glory of God came down so thick that they were not able to go forward in their dedication ceremony. And as the glory of God descended on that holy temple that day, I'm sure there was singing, I'm sure there was shouting and worship unto God. My friends, here today, it's easy to shout when the glory of God is coming down. When the work is completed and the suffering and the sacrifice is over and the blood, sweat, and the tears have been all shed. But who can shout before the work begins? Who can shout at the land of the foundation? Who can shout when there's more building in front of you than there is behind you? Who can shout at the mere laying of a foundation? And as Ezra's congregation longingly gazed backward at their large and glorious past and glanced, if not grimaced, at what perceived to be their future, not nearly as glorious, measuring out and comparing the dimensions of this temple versus that temple, the former temple, they began to weep. One of the frustrations of church work is a dichotomy that often exists between the young and the old. The young people and the young ministers and the youth workers are constantly looking to the future chomping their bits to get started, while many times some of the more senior members and sometimes even leaders are more prone to look back at the good old days and the glories of the past. It just comes with the territory. I have a dear friend who was, who he is a young man who co-pastors a church with his elderly father, and he said every Sunday morning as if they are standing back to back on the platform, the father looking to the past and the young man looking to the future. Now, I don't mind telling you that at my age, sometimes I can too look back at some of the past glory. I can become a little sentimental 
about the past and I can become emotional pretty quickly when I remember the precious heritage that was given me and why we're here today. Now I've heard some preach this text and say that the old men wept and the young men shouted as if there was a division, a disharmony, a disunity, that they wasn't pulling together. But I want you to notice what verse 11 says one more time. Put it back on the screen. And they sang together, everybody say together, by course in praise and in giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good, because his mercy endures forever toward Israel. And all the people, everybody say all the people, shouted with a great shout and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Everybody say they all shouted. It is true that the older we get, the more we tend to look back and reminisce about things that we miss. We miss our hair. Some of you miss your teeth. Some of you have lost your hearing. And most of us miss our minds. They're not quite the same. But I'm going to tell you what I love about the elders and the older saints of Christian Life Church. Not one elder has ever come to me and said, I wish we would have never left our old building or it'll never be the same again. But from day one, from the time I took the pastor of this church, now 24 plus years later, there's been a melting together and a harmonizing of the power and the past glory and the promise of the future glory. I think that's applaudable. Amen. I think that's good. In these last days, God is putting the former and the latter reigns together. God is building the latter house with the same glory of the former house. And the glory of the latter house is not any different glory. It's not a strange glory. It's not an unknown glory. The only difference between the latter house and the former house is that the glory of the latter house that God is building right now is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Same glory, only greater. Same anointing, only greater. Same power, only greater. Same works, only greater. Jesus said, and the works that I do shall ye do because I go to my Father. You're going to do greater things than I've done. And we're not in competition with our glorious past. We are not in competition with our history. We're not in competition with our elders. We're laborers together, and together we're building a tabernacle of praise and worship and power and authority and anointing and ministry and evangelism that the church and the world has never seen before. Any teacher who really is a teacher has a passion to teach his or her students into a place of learning and communicating that they've never attained. Any man of God who truly is a man of God wants to see his successor take the ministry that he's had and build it to an entirely brand new level. The writer of Hebrews said, we are surrounded by such a sea of faces. Therefore, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The analogy employed by the author is actually taken from trained and conditioned runners contesting in a race on a mapped out field that's surrounded by a stadium full of spectators. What are these runners? Who are these runners on the field? I'll tell you who they are. They're you and they're me. We are, who are the spectators in the bleachers? Friends, they're not mere spectators. They are those who have run the race before us. They're the first generation and the second generation and the third generation runners who have finished their course and have successfully handed off the baton of truth to our ministries. Their race means something to us. The way they ran, the pace they kept, the sacrifice they made, the, dis the discipline they employed, the miracles they saw, and the revival that they enjoyed. Their race does mean something to us. And if their race means something to us, then our race must mean something to them. 
Let me tell you who they are. They're not our competitors. They're not our antagonists. They're our team members. They now have become our biggest fans in the stands. They're fanatical about what we're doing for God in these last days. And they're saying, go get them, Pastor Johnson, on Sunday morning. They're saying, go get them, saints of God. Go tell everybody about Jesus Christ. They're applauding us. They're shouting for us. They're saying, I want you to have greater glory. The apostles are not worried about us breaking their records. They're not telling Jesus to back off lest we make them look bad. The book of Acts, church, has long been and forever will be our model. But every miracle, every revival, every visit, Every event recorded in the book of Acts has been fulfilled and duplicated and replicated and multiplied many times over. For the church is in better shape and better condition than it's ever been. God is not coming back for some weak church, some bride that is tainted and scarred and looks horrible. God's coming back for a church that has a people that are ready to go home to be with him. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. And we're just getting started. There's no time to sit back and ooh and awe about the book of Acts like it's some unattainable goal. We've already went beyond that place. We're living Acts 29 right now, and it's never going to end until the church is gone. And it's only a foundation. We're just getting started. But my question is, can you shout? On a foundation. If you think that what you see here today is the last that we're going to have in this church, you got to think again. I got to preach a little bit right now. There's dreams right now beyond this parking lot. This parking lot's going to only going to make the crowds larger and people more thirsty to come to CLC. We had people leave today because there wasn't enough seats. They come in and looked at wasn't enough seats, but we're going to make more seats because we're going to build a brand new church here. We're going to have 1,800, 2,000 seats. We're not finished. We're not done. Come on, we're not finished. God Almighty said, hey, I put you in a foundation. I've given you people that can help you. I put kings in your church and ministers in your church and people that can help you. But we're standing here on this foundation. Why don't somebody go to shouting a little bit? Because God is not finished with what he started in this house. Never. Lord, 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 I got to hush. I got to baptize. God, God loves new things. He said, behold, I make all things new. Everybody say all things. things. Paul said, when we were born again, we became new creatures in Christ. If you want to start a new life in Christ, the first thing you have to do is repent. We're going to give you that opportunity after a while. You need to repent. What does repent mean? It's a change of direction, change of mind, change of heart. You're walking this way and you repent, you turn around and start walking this way. You're doing 180. You say, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm tired of that way. I'm going to go the other way. I promise you, when you turn around, it'll be the greatest day of your life. Salvation come to your house. You hear me? Amen. And God throws a party in heaven every time a sinner repents. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner. Heaven doesn't rejoice when someone perhaps is healed or receives a financial blessing or gets a prayer answered, but all of heaven rejoices. We know when somebody says, I'm sorry, God. I open my mouth and I confess you as my Lord and Savior, and I want to live for you the rest of my life. And the Lord says, strike up the band, boys. Here we go. This old boy's repented. Ha! 
and heaven has a party. You know what it's called? It's called shouting on a foundation. It's called shouting on a foundation. That's what it's called. So if people, if people that are being baptized today rise and walk in the newness of life, don't you think that right now in the back of this church, right here in this prayer room right now, they're leading them in repentance right now. They're leading them in saying, I will arise and be baptized, called on the name of the Lord in my life, Acts 22 and 16. They're telling them right now, this is what it's all about. And when they come up out of that water, God has said, there's another foundation. There's another foundation. There's another foundation. There's another person to build the church on. There's another pillar. There's another person. There's somebody else right there. And heaven is saying, whoa, hallelujah. And if heaven, oh, I'm preaching right now. If heaven can get turned loose over new foundations today, can't we get turned loose and get excited about what God is doing for people in our waters of baptism today? Job 38, 4 through 7, the Lord asked him, said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? And surely you know that. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were the foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstones? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's the new King James. God Almighty, when he created the foundation of the world, wanted somebody to shout on that foundation. So he called his angels over to where he was working, and he didn't, they didn't understand what all God was doing, but they knew something special was going on. And God said, listen, angels, listen. Listen, Gabe. Listen, Michael. Get your boys together. I know it's not finished. I know it doesn't look like much right now. I'm just getting started. I know it's only a foundation, but I just feel like shouting on it. I feel like rejoicing. I wish somebody would shout with me. So the sons of God shouted for joy at the laying of the foundation of the world. Last Sunday, I told a story about a boy in a phone booth, in a toll booth that said, I'm going to dance. I'm not going to die in this vertical casket because this is not where I'm going to stay. I wish some of you that don't have a job that you want yet would still rejoice because God's got that job waiting on you. I wish some of you, come on now, I wish some of, I'm not trying to get you emotional today. I wish somebody in this house that said, I may not be healed yet, but I'm going to rejoice like I am healed because God is my healer. I wish somebody in this house would say, my kids may not be where they ought to be right now, but I'm going to praise God anyhow because they're going to come home. I wish somebody in this house, I wish somebody in this house. Would you shout a little bit? Just shout a little bit on a foundation. Those sons of God shouted because God made it. They shouted because it was a promise of bigger things to come. They shouted because they sensed that something great was going on. They shouted because they noticed that just before God started his work on the foundation, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I know we're overwhelmed sometimes at the thought of the large challenge that lies before us. We're in a city of almost two million precious souls. I realize we're not the only church in town, but it's our responsibility and privilege to take the great gospel of Jesus Christ to every community 
and to every people group of this metro area. And our church is trying as hard as it can with the responsibility that we have and with the monies that we have. I'm sure that at times Jesus was overwhelmed with the challenge that lay before him. He started out with a pretty small group, just 12. And when you take a look, it was a pretty pitiful group. There wasn't much to brag about. He hoped his little group would smell more like heavenly phosphorus than less like mud and dead fish. I know that. He would have hoped he could have chosen them from the hallowed halls of universities, but he had to pluck them out of trees and up behind tables piled high with money that was collected in the name of the government that was hated by everyone he was trying to reach. Still others he found just hanging out down at the pier, just sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. And on a fateful night of his betrayal and arrest, it alarmed him that this ragtag bunch would outlive him and that he would have to leave it with them to fulfill the vision and change the world. Change the world? Really? With this bunch? He couldn't even get one of them to change his mind about picking up a towel in a wash basin over there in the corner. But all was not lost because Jesus celebrated both large and small victories along the way to bring those disciples into what we call apostles today. You remember in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to every city and place where himself would eventually go. And he said, go your way and I send you out as lambs among wolves and I want you to heal the sick and bless every house and declare peace and the king, tell them the kingdom of God is near to them. And they were, not completed, they were not a completed group of followers. He was not through teaching them. He was not through training them. He had more discipline to teach, more mentoring to do, more equipping to do. There was work in progress. They hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. They didn't have a clue, but nevertheless, he sent them out. And guess what? Miracles of miracles. They came back rejoicing because sickness and disease were cured. And even demons were subject to them in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of the report, Jesus got excited. And he said, I was watching in the spirit when you went out and I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give this ragtag bunch authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and to smash scorpions. And I give you power over the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God have mercy. Somebody's going to tie me down. I feel like preaching right now. And in that hour, in that hour, in that hour, the one translation said for one hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. He agaliahoed. He literally leaped for joy, clapped his hands, shouted, and jumped up and down. Ah, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. I love all that's happening down here. Jesus got excited. Oh, you didn't hear that. I said Jesus got excited. They wasn't the apostles yet, but Jesus got excited. They wasn't the 12 foundational stones yet, but Jesus got excited. They hadn't written the New Testament yet, but Jesus got excited. I'm here to tell you, I don't know what you think about what's fixing to happen in this water here today, but I know one in heaven, I know angels in heaven, I know the spirits of God all over this world are gonna get absolutely beside themselves because when every one of these people come out of this water, they're gonna rise to walk in the newness of life. They're going to be identified with Christ and water baptism. And heaven's going to say, come on, guys, let's go. Come on. Let's rejoice for CLC today. 
Come on, let's get excited. And I want somebody here to praise the name of the Lord and say, we're excited also, Father. We're excited also because God is changing lives today. It ain't over yet, but we've got a foundation. We've got a foundation. Let me close. Let me get through here. So what's he doing? He's shouting on a foundation. What foundation is he shouting on? He's shouting on the foundation of the church. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That ragtag bunch that he had plucked from everywhere were his future apostles. You may only be laying a foundation, but you can go ahead and shout anyhow. You don't know what good is going to build on that foundation of your life. There's no telling what God's about to do with some of you. When I stepped into my first church in Dallas, Texas in 1975, 14 people looked at me. Seven on this side, seven on this side. Looked like the church was split. Now, now, 39 years later, I pastor a church with over 2,500 members. But on that day, listen. On that first night, that Sunday night, I went to take that church. I said, folks, there's two things I'm going to ask you to do. Number one is worship, no matter where you are. And number two is work with everything you've got. And we'll build a church for the Lord. And at that moment, 14 people, plus me, my wife, and my little daughter, stood to our feet and we clapped our hands. It was a thin clap sound. It didn't have a whole lot of ringing attribute to it. But we clapped and we praised God for what God was going to do. Do you want something from the Holy Ghost today? Why don't you stand on your feet right now and just clap your hands all over this house and say, I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to rejoice on the foundation. I'm going to shout on my foundation. I'm going to dance on the foundation of the Lord. I'm going to get crazy. Because God has got something. Come on, come on, clap your hands. Make it sound thunderous. Make it sound glorious today. Because God, God, God. Oh, hallelujah. The world may think it's strange, but we understand it. This is what's going to go on in heaven. You hear me? We're going to praise him. We're going to praise him because the foundation he laid is what's going to take us there to be with him someday. You may be seated. Let me finish in three minutes and then we'll baptize. I've got the plane leveled out. I'm ready to land it. Everybody say to every man, there is given the measure of faith. Say the measure. Faith Cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith is likened unto seed. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed, the least of seeds. And when it's planted and grown, the greatest among herbs, it becomes a tree big enough that birds of the air can lodge in its branches. Somewhere lying dormant just beneath the surface of your soul, of the soil of your soul, God has planted a seed of faith. You must have it. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. God places those seeds of faith there, and they're laying there waiting, waiting, waiting. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for a time. They're waiting for a moment. They're waiting for their opportunity. And that seed of faith lies dormant, waiting on to hear the word of God, because except a corn of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abideth alone. 
And they're isolated and alone seeds of faith that God planted inside of you. And they sit and they're alone waiting on that God moment to spring up. King Tut's tomb was opened 3,000 years after it was sealed. And they planted some corn and it sprung up and made fabulous corn. It don't, it don't matter how long that faith has been seething in your heart. I'm telling you, God wants you to understand that there's something about to spring up in your life. It's about to spring up in your life. Daniel was in a lion's den. You hear me? He was in a lion's den, and he got out of that lion's den. But the same faith that got him out also put him in. What you don't understand is that sometimes you go through stuff, and you say, where's my faith? Faith is what puts you in that thing sometimes. And the same faith that puts you in is going to get you out. Don't you dare think that you've lost your position in the kingdom of God because you're going through a trial. Don't you dare think that everything's going haywire because you're going through a trial. Don't you dare think that somebody's cut the electricity off between you and heaven because you're going through a trial. The same faith that's going to get you out also puts you there. But God Almighty is able. Amen, he's able. You just need to learn to rejoice on the foundation of what he's doing in your life right now. And here's what I want to tell you in closing. I need the musicians to come because I have gone too long, but they took too long. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be mean. I'm not mean. Lord, I could preach for three hours right now. Here's all I've got to tell you in closing. Don't let anybody weep on your foundation. Don't let anybody say, boy, I tell you what, that's a shallow foundation. That, that's not going to hold water. You're not going to be, ah, you don't, eh. There's a lot of people that walk up to you and they have negative naysaying words. That's one reason I love this man right here. Every time he texts me and every time he calls me, every time we have lunch, I leave there feeling I can go out with a little old peach tree switch in my hand and whoop a bear. That's the kind of people you need to hang around. You need to hang around people that absolutely understand that if God be for you, who can be against you? Don't let somebody come and weep on your foundation. Don't let say, oh, God, I don't know why God's sending you through this. I don't know. Look at that crack over there. You've got a crack foundation. They got foundation repair people. You know what they do? They don't suck anything out of you. They pump something underneath you. Strengthen you again. Don't let, don't let somebody weep on your foundation. Don't let that happen. God's got something for you. God's got something for you. And if you've never been saved, God's got something for you today. If you've never been water baptized, God's got something for you today. Ever been filled with the Holy Ghost, God's got something for you today. The power of God's in this house right now. And we're fixing to baptize people. And some of you may get antsy, but I want everybody, when they come up out of that water, I want them to get a cheer from you like heaven's cheering for them. Because God's laying some foundations back here in these people's lives today. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Would you clap your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord today. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.